Welcome to another week of Fabrengen on the Sikha, Fabrengen on Ear. This Sikha is a beautiful Sikha that explores heads of the month, heads of the year, Nitnes and Teva. We have the honor to have Rabbi Shalom Aisha Paltiel from Port Washington, New York, Shliach in Port Washington, to join us as we Fabreng on this week's Sikha. Shalom Aisha, how are you? Shalom, it's a pleasure and an honor. I've been watching this Fabrengen thing every week coming out and its popularity, so I'm honored to be here. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for joining. And let's just jump straight into the Sikha. So the Rebbe starts off with a question. Um, many times we read Parsha Sachoidesh together with the weekly Parsha, which often falls out on Parsha's Tazria. And the Rebbe asks a question. The Chaida, if we reading, if we're reading these two parshas together, there must be a common theme between the two. But if you look at it at first glance, it seems not only like two different themes, but two different missions altogether that should be really read in two separate times. So if you could elaborate a little bit about that. So we know that in, in, in Jewish life, especially in Hasidic thought, there is the, the, always the question of the yin and the yang. Who initiates? Does God initiate or do we initiate? And the lingo of Hasidus is Arusa de la Eila or Sarusa de la Tata. The inspiration from above comes first, and that's what makes it happen. God reveals himself and, 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 and schleps us out. Or no, it's all about us doing the heavy lifting. And Judaism, of course, says both are true. And, um, and, and, and these two portions emphasize, though, both opposite angles. Hachodesh, renewal, miracle. God comes down and takes us out and swoops us away and gives us Torah, etc. Whereas Tazria, which uh, which talks about the fact that if the woman initiates, she gives birth to a male child, which means if the service comes from us, we're the female in the, in the relationship of the Jew-God relationship, we give birth to a higher level service. It seems to be the exact opposite uh, a theme. But it's fascinating that the Rebbe builds such a deep, powerful sicha just on this juxtaposition of two seemingly opposite things to the Rebbe. And this is pivotal to the Rebbe's teaching. Everything in life by divine providence Torah is absolute truth, and therefore there's no randomness, and it's impossible to say, well, it happens to be, it's a leap year. If two portions show up together, they have to be one and the same, they have to go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a phenomenal question that many that many just overlook, they just move on. And the Rebbe builds the whole Sicha, which later on we see how powerful it is, and then comes back to this, to answering this question. So let's get in, let's dig deep. So then the Rebbe brings the, the two sides of the calendar, Mitzad Chaydesh, Mitzad Shana, Mitzad the moon, the moon perspective or the moon calendar, the sun. And if you could give us a little, uh, a brief um, insight into that part of the Sicha. So, so we all know the Jewish calendar has both the moon and the sun incorporated into it. I believe it's unique. I haven't studied every calendar under the sun, but generally calendars a side. So you have, for example, the Gregorian calendar, which is nominally solar by nature. And therefore, it really doesn't have months. These Gregorian calendars, 365 days, the solar cycle, period. The months are random. You take the 365 days, you chop it up into 12, you add a day here, you subtract a day here, you make it happen. But there isn't really a month. Conversely, for example, the Muslim calendar, my understanding is it's totally a lunar calendar. And it doesn't really have a year. You just take the 12 months and put them together, you get a year. 
which is why, for example, their holidays, including Ramadan, can end up in the winter, in the summer, in the spring, in the fall. It doesn't make a difference because it's lunar. It does not deal with the seasons. And whereas in Yiddishkeit, we want the cake and eat it. And Torah clearly tells us, and the Rebbe emphasizes in the Sicha, that we have not only these two things, but they're intertwined. We have, uh, as the Torah says today, this month is Rishon Lechotche Hashanah. It's the first month of the year. And as the Rebbe points out, there's a concept in Judaism of Chodesh of month and Shana of year. Chodesh is, it denotes the lunar cycle, the moon. It's a monthly cycle. And Shana is the yearly cycle of the sun. And the thematically, uh, month in Chodesh means renewal, just like the moon renews itself. It, it, it represents a concept of renewal. Whereas the year, Shana, is from the root of the word like Mishnah, to just repeat over and over. Like the Mishnah, you're studying the Mishnah. Why is it called Mishnah? Because you keep studying it over, repeat it over and over. And that's what the year is. Like the sun, it's consistent. And uh, this way, the Judaism, the calendar, is introducing these two concepts, concept of consistency, which uh, the Rebbe introduces then as the concept of nature, and a concept of, uh, of the moon, which is renewal, which is a miracle. But we see this right in our calendar before we get into deeper, as I'm sure you're going to want to go. But just in the calendar itself, if you ask a Jew, when does the Jewish year start? And the answer is depends what you're talking about. Like every Jewish question has two answers. There's Rosh Hashanah of Tishri and there's Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Like, why do we, right. why can't we just make my mind? And the answer is because of this concept. Tishrei is the beginning of the year of the concept of consistency. That's why the word Tishrei is scramble of the word Reshit. It's the beginning. If it's a linear thing. It's a year, it's nature, and Nisan means miracle, and that's the beginning of that, uh, of that concept. And just to connect it for a second to what we started talking at the beginning, we notice that these two themes of whether God initiates or we do uh, divide itself in those two seasons. So the month of Nisan and the whole summer really is the time of miracle and revelation of Sinai, etc. God initiates. And then the second half of the year, of course, Elul is an introduction to that. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the winter months. Hashem says, okay, let me see what you can do. I want to see avodas, hatachton, the, you know, us doing the tshuva and the heavy lifting more from our side. Right, right. And until uh, with this, things are clear. As far as the role of the year, there's the yearly cycle and the pattern of the year and the, and the four seasons. And then you have the lunar cycle, the month. Um, and then the rabbi asks the question, if you look at the wording of it says it says that the months become a, a, a head for the year. So if you want to learn that there are two different cycles, so then it should be the head the for months. Don't mention anything about the year in that sentence. And um, the same thing goes with, uh, it says in, it says in, in Maimar Azal, it says, So he, uh, the Ebishter, it says regarding in, while in the creation of the world, when Hashem created the world and the pattern of the year, it says, their months. So we see that there is a synthesis of year and month in a, in a combined way. So if you could go into that. Right, in both directions. Look, this is, again, a huge theme in Teira, Bechlal, in general, and Chassidus, and in the Rebbe's teaching, where everything is achtos. There's even a line in this Sicha, 
that says it straight out. In Teda, we look for achtos. We look for oneness and unity, not just because we want to get along and everything should just fit together, but because in the end of the day, what is chassidus? What is the truth? There's only one existence, and that's Hashem. And therefore, ultimately, all things uh, stem from, from one point. So the, the way the Rebbe does this, and this is an extremely extraordinarily organized sicha, the Rebbe, after that introduction, that you just said so ably, that there's two calendars, but then they're really being meshed and mixed, whether it's in the verse, whether it's in the Chazal, the Medrash, the Akedah, or the Ebenezer itself, the Rebbe then says, okay, let's take them apart. Step one, the Rebbe says, let's talk about what the two messages are, namely miracle nature, moon and sun, month and year. And then the second half of the Sikha, um, addressing the synthesis, that really they're not two paths or two tracks, but really they're two sides of one coin or one essence. Right. So it's, it's, as we speak about Nase and Teva, which, which is a fascinating discussion, I just want to share a brief, uh, a, a brief story about the Rebbe and Zalman Duchman, um, which, which in many times when we speak about Ness, so Tzadikim have the power of Moifsim. They're able not to only access this world of Teva, they're able to, to be present in another world, in, in Ur. So Zalman Duchman once told him, once told the Rebbe that he dreamt about him a few days ago or, or, or the, the night before. So the Rebbe said, at Tzadik, chooses where a, a tzaddik chooses in which person he will appear in a dream. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. I would love to, uh, to see the source of that story because it's, it's a fantastic thing. I do know that the Rebbe talks about it in Tafshin Mem Hay when the Rebbe spoke about the idea that the, that the Rebbe, referring to the Fidik Rebbe, who uh, that a Rebbe is, is, is an Indian Nitzchi, it's an eternal concept, etc., and the Rebbe said there in passing in one of the sikhs that we see the concept of chaloimis, indicating that sometimes people get messages or what have you. And of course, nowadays, it's something very relevant. So uh, offline, if you can send me that story, if it's actually yeah. a fact, I'll, I'll find that, that for you. Sure, yes. sure. So let's let's go into, I mean, it's really sif hey. The, the, first of all, just uh, to present what's the union of a ness, a miracle, bleak vul. What's the union of, of Teva and, um, and, how, and how it manifests itself in our service of the Ebishter, the, the, the service of Ness, and then the service of the Avoida of Teva? Yeah, so, so you know, as Hasidim, nothing, we don't take anything for granted. In Teda, in Hasidim's Kabbalah, it's not like, well, there, there's nature and there's miracle. There's a reason for both and there's a message for both. And um, both of them speak to the purpose of creation, which is that Hashem should be revealed in the world. what have you. He wants to communicate himself and his total essence to us. And he does it in both fashions of miracle and a nature. And why these two columns? So the Rebbe explains in the Sicha that a miracle represents bittel, allowing the world to be nullified and yield to Hashem's greatness, whereas Teva, nature, represents ichod, an ability to actually unify with Hashem. Let me explain. So you, how do you connect to God, God's infinity? The only way to connect to infinity is to yield completely. You can't have infinity plus one. And therefore, that's what miracle is. We don't have so many miracles now, but there were miracles in the beginning of the time of uh, the Jewish people, of the world, etc. And from time to time, 
the fact that a miracle is a revelation of that truth of Hashem, which negates nature, negates any rules and regulations of reality. And that's God's way of saying, I'm the boss. Here's my infinity. There are no rules. And that, and that allows the world and us to, to yield and to make and to connect by, by virtue of Bittl, by virtue of saying, yes, you're right. We agree. Uh, we, have, we have no opinion. We just completely yielded and, and melted into, into the infinity. And that is the first and most important, if you will, relationship uh, to infinity. But then Hasidus says, God made a second track called nature, which is special in the way Hasidus presents it. In many Torah sources pre-Hasidus, they looked at nature as really a lie. It's just a nisim b'ritufim. It's just ongoing miracles, and it looks like nature. Hasidus says, no. Hashem created a system of nature, which Hashem, so to speak, himself respects. He doesn't make a miracle in vain. That is a, another mode of the divine communication with reality, with humanity in the world. Why so? Because that allows the world to connect to Hashem. It's one thing to say, I'm everything, and therefore there's nothing else, which is the truth. And then it's another to say, and therefore if there's nothing else, so everything that is, is part of me. And that becomes the track of nature. And the way it's explained in Hasidus and in Nisicha is that this is the reason for uh, we have the, the infinite light, the Ein Sof, and then we have the, the finite light that comes after the Tzimtzum. We talk in Hasidus about Ted Sephiros, seven emotions of God, all kinds of names and labels and titles. And, you know, I remember growing up as a yeshiva bacha, you ask yourself, like, why do we give Hashem all these labels? Hashem is infinity. Just let him be. Pashat betachlus apshitas, infinity, plain, infinite light. And now Hasidus is so busy telling us a whole map and, you know, we're in, the, we're in that image, and Hashem has all kinds of names, and, and Sefirot, how is that helpful? And how is that a compliment to God? In truth, he's beyond all of it. And that relates very much to this Sikha, because those finite, so to speak, definitions, self-imposed image that God put upon himself through the lights and the vessels, and they shine through the prisms of vessels, and God suddenly has a personality, and it's colorful. It's not just plain infinity. It's, it's kindness and it's discipline and it's deferis, it's beauty and it's etc. All the seven ways from which the world were, so to speak, created, it creates a closeness of the world to Hashem, a oneness of the world to Hashem. So if we only had the first column, Hashem's infinity and it shines and commands the world into existence. If I look at the, out my window and I see a beautiful world, or I look in the mirror and I see myself, what do I see? I see something connected to Hashem hardly. I just say, well, God is great. Look what he can do. He can command anything he wants. He makes the Grand Canyon. He makes the, he makes, uh, you know, the, the planets, etc. And he makes little me. It's thanks to Hashem, but there isn't really any connection. And that's the Bittle concept. And there's truth to that. He's the only infinity and everything else really doesn't exist. Right. And Hashem says, guess what? I want you to know that I took that infinite light and with Hashem's great love and condensed it and divided it, so to speak, into uh, all these different channels of the Sephirot, etc. And they're all divine energies. They're all part of, of the oneness of Hashem, ultimately. And then when you look out in the world and you see a beautiful world, look out your window and see but a gorgeous scenery, or look at yourself, every molecule of the creation you're seeing, every detail of a minutia, of every plant, of every flower, of any animal, of every fruit, or every minutia of your personality, etc. These are all aspects of the divine. None of them are just random. They're not just commanded into existence. They are specifically shined into existence. So if we just have the first column of miracle, the world belongs to God, or it really, doesn't really matter. It's just showing God's infinite power. In the second, we now have a new step 
where every part of creation reflects Hashem. So if you see water, that's God's chesed, that's God's sefirah of chesed. You see fire, that's, that's God's gevura, and etc. And just like, you know, when you go to the printer and you're trying to pick out colors for your, for your new website or brochure, and the printer will show you that ultimately there's only four colors, but they're mixed and matched to any number of colors. That's how Hasidus explains this sefirah, the seven names, seven divine energies, and they mix and match. And there isn't any creation in the world to bottom to its tiniest minutia, which isn't uh, a combination of these colors, of these divine energies, and therefore everything is, is, is an expression of the divine. So the one and everything is nothing, and yet, no, it is absolutely an expression of the divine down to its little detail. It may, gives us a feeling of tremendous closeness to Hashem and oneness uh, to Hashem. You might say, if I may add, this could be analogous to, to, to in a marriage when the, the fundamental uh, the fundamental point of a marriage is um, that you just yield. That's what marriage is. I just accept you without any questions. You know, once obviously before you, while you're dating, you should ask questions. But once you know this is your bashert, once you stand under the chuppah and you say, I do, there's no questions. It's unconditional. And that is, uh, that is like bittel. That's what marriage, that differentiates marriage from every other relationship, a partnership, a friendship. It's bittel. I don't ask any questions. I'm just committed. But then at a, sudden, a certain point in the marriage, the spouse will say to you, I know you're dedicated and you're such a wonderful husband, for instance, and you, 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 you just whatever I say is your command. But don't you want to know about me? Don't you want to know the books I like to read, the songs I like to sing, uh, my personality, etc.? He says, no, I'm just committed. Yeah, but you're committed because you've put yourself aside. But I want you to know to whom you're committed. I want to connect to you on your detail. And similarly, Hashem and His kindness uh, uh, gave us these two channels where not only there's a bittel, but there's a yichud, which ultimately reflects the truth that of Achtos Hashem, which is really the whole Hasidus I want, but it's all about Hashem. And therefore, if it's all about Hashem, A, A, there is nothing that exists, and B, anything that does exist is part of Hashem or an expression of Hashem. And that becomes the two columns of this conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. So we have Ness and Teva. Um, Ness, miracles, is one reality or one way that Hashem shows and reveals to the world himself who, who the Abishter is. And Teva is another way where we see how the Abishter orchestrates, designs, and creates the world and in these two ways, we have a unique connection, each one in their own way. But Ness is, two, Ness is one camp. Until now in the Sikha, Ness is one camp. Teva is another camp. There's actually, in psychology, there is something called the six human needs. There's significance, connection, but the two that very much connect in the Sikha is certainty and uncertainty. Certainty, certainty means predictability, reliability, continuity. That the world is constant. You, you could rely on your car. You could rely that your electric, electric is going to go on in your house or your gas. There's going to be light. You, you know how to rely on the things that's around you. Certainty. A person needs certainty. If there's no certainty, there's problems. Then another human need that a person needs just as much as certainty is uncertainty. Mm. A little bit of chaos. In other words, a chidush, ness, a person needs 
something to break the natural cycle, something to look forward to, excitement, novelty, creativity. And in this sikha, soon the Rebbe is going to talk about his spoinenus, meditating on Ness type of meditation and Teva type of meditation. Meditating, so what's the meditation of Ness? The meditation is that even though there is a predict- predictability to your life and it may be a negative one, there's an Abish there that could create Chiddush, uncertainty. There's the uncertainty of your situation that Hashem will change because you need that uncertainty right now. You don't need the certainty. The certainty may be negative. And then you have these spiders, the meditation of the Abishter, how the Abishter is going to take care of you in a certain way, certainty. So I thought that that was a beautiful connection to what we're going to get to now with the hispaninus of the meditation of how Ness and Teva plays in Avedis Hashem. That's excellent. Um, if I can call you doctor. <laughs> well done. Okay. But I think that the... the the major chiddush, the major chiddush of this sicha is, is, it begins in Zion, which I, I would love for you to cover. That it's not, where, where the Rebbe begins the idea that it's not just one world of Ness and another world of Teva, but there is an achtus that, that happens. There is, there is a oneness how they each play in each other. So let's talk about that. Can I, can I just, I, I want to, I feel like the, the Avoida the relevance, the personal application of the of the first part of the sikha, you know, you're running to the to right. the juices sure. stuff, which is obviously a big chiddush of the sikha that the two are really intertwined. But uh, I, I think it's something we want to touch upon even briefly, if I may. Sure. Uh, you know, applying the relevance. We talked about it in, in terms of haskola. What do you mean haskola? That when God relates to the world, he reveals his infinity and the world yields to show that there's nothing besides Hashem. And then he creates a system of nature to show that the world is actually part of that truth. Got that. But that's all nice up in the air. In terms of our Avedis Hashem, the Rebbe introduces that these are the two sides of Kabbalah and, uh, and Abbas Hashem, if you will. We say it in the Shema. So we, we close our eyes to the first line of the Shema, and we say Hashem Echad. We close our eyes. There's no world. There's nothing. But we don't need your service. We don't need your input. We just, what does it mean to be a Yid? To recognize there's nothing besides Hashem. There isn't even a world. You close your eyes, you don't want to see that world because you realize the world is, doesn't, it's, it, it's not real. It's all about God. And then Hashem says, okay, Babala, now that you got that truth, and that's the ultimate truth, ain't it Mulvade? Because I said earlier, if he's if infinity, infinity allows no room for anything else. But then Hashem says, now, my kind, open your eyes, and I want you to get to know me. And I want you, I want you to love me with your heart and your soul and your might. And I, I want you to give me what you have. And you say, what do you mean? You just told me there's nothing. Hashem Echad. No, there's both sides. Of course, there's nothing but Hashem. But then you look around you and you see so many things, so many nothings. All of them are, Hashem wants them all because they're really his extension. And therefore, that includes you and me. And that becomes the second part of the Avedah. Yiddishkeit demands both sides. You might say, um, you know, it'll have in most faiths, it's all about just blind, just accept it, goodbye, and that's it. In a secular system, you know, non, non-faith-based systems, it's all about what I think. And Yiddishkeit, again, is the yin and the yang. Ultimately, it's, it, it's all about Amunah, it's all about Indian Mavadi. But the Amunah is so all-encompassing that God is the only thing, and if he's the only thing, hey, so what about me? I must be an extension of that. 
So I got to bring that all to the table. It's all got to reflect my connection to Hashem because there's no space outside of it. And if he only exists when I don't exist, and he doesn't exist when I do, that's not a complete oneness. And therefore, the oneness manifests on both sides. The analogy is given often that the, if you have a brilliant teacher, but he can only teach a brilliant student, that he can't bring it down to the child in the room. There's something lacking. A real brilliant teacher can teach the scholars and can teach the little child. It's known he gave 3,000 analogies to each idea. What is Torah teaching us? That he's able to bring it down lower, lower. That's called true infinity is able to exist within the finite as well. And that becomes one of the concepts of this miracle and nature. And in our Aveda, Hashem says, I know I'm infinite. and I want you just to yield to me with faith and Kabbalah soil, accepting of the yoke. But I also want what you have to bring to the table. The Rebbe says this elsewhere in a beautiful fashion. Real briefly, there is a chazal. There's a statement in the, in the Gemara and the Talmud which says, I was created to serve my maker. Very famous. Rabbi mentioned it many, many times. I, I don't know if it's a mistake to say he mentioned it almost every fabric. But however, there's two versions in that Chazal, in the two Talmuds, the Babylonian and Jerusalem. In one, it says, I was created to serve my maker. And in the other, it says, I was not created but to serve my maker. Small difference. And uh, I don't know how many people look at this, but to the Rebbe, this is, uh, this is a big deal. So the Rebbe explains that what are these two angles? So nominally, the former is lower than the latter. The first level of service I come to with ego. I'm not a, a Bal Madrig, I'm not a Tzaddik. I'm a regular person. I come with my ego, myself, my own needs. However, I recognize I am created. There's me. Of course, it begins and ends with me. That's the human nature. But I understand that I have a purpose. I'm not just here to be here. I'm here to serve my maker. And the higher level is a person becomes maybe a high level Benini or a Tzaddik or what have you, or at least us on our level, at least philosophically, to know the truth. No. Not I was created to serve my maker, but I wasn't even created but to serve my maker. And that's my whole his that's my whole existence, much higher level of truth. But then the devil comes and takes it further and says, you can flip it on its head. Once a person recognizes that higher level, that truism, he's learned maybe he feels it or maybe at least understands it. There isn't me but for Hashem's service. And therefore, his life is about Bittl. He put himself aside. He doesn't matter. There's no me. And that's true. It's the Yemis. And then Hashem says, okay, Bubala. But now I want you to, under, I want you to, now that you're committed, take that commitment and develop a relationship with Hashem. And now recognize, but you were created. And you were created with talents and abilities and opportunities and relationships and friendships and what have you, and resources. Bring that all to the table. Don't say I'm nothing. And it doesn't matter if I amount the hill of beans. No. You're nothing means you're nothing. You're an extension of Hashem. You're part of Hashem. And therefore, once you, and in Yiddish guide, that's the first step. That's the bitl, because that's the truth. All we are is just an extension of the divine light. Got it. But once I get that, then I realize there can't be a place where God is not, in, not inclusive in Hashem's truth. And that includes me. And therefore, I'm not created but for Hashem. But a higher level can become, I am created to serve my maker, and I will bring all of those details to the table and to the service of Hashem, besimcha, with joy and with gladness of heart, because each thing matters. And that becomes right. perhaps the expression of what the Rebbe is saying here, the, 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 the Kabbalah soil, faith, commitment, and, and then the, the serving with your love and with your heart. Right. It's similar to Nasev Nishma. Exactly. That, the, that the nishma, that the, that understanding, the listening, the accepting first 
is underscored by the Nasa that you're completely committed to the Abishter. So now I have to bring that commitment to my, to my, to my, to my self, to my uh, characteristics, to my personality, but it, it, it comes with the first introduction of Nasa. Yes. You might say that this Sikha is Nasa and Nishma. If it's yeah. Nishma and Nasa at the same time, or Gafabit Nishma before Nasa, that's not Judaism. Just like in a marriage, if it's not Nasa, it's not blind commitment, I'm in for the good and the bad, it's not a marriage. But then the second point, it, it, Hashem gave us two crowns. He didn't just give us a crown for Nasa. Nasa and Nishma. Why? Because he says, look at these people. They're committed with emuna, with total dedication. They understand, they get it. Nasa, there's nothing but Hashem. Tell me where to sign. And then they bring their mind and heart to the table and they learn Tata. They don't just do the mitzvahs. They actually think and they're not just his servants. They're also his students. It's extraordinary. Like the analogy of that couple that we talked about earlier, they're not just committed, but they want to get to know each other and, and, and the details matter. That's a wholesome relationship of two that truly become one. Yeah. If there's no identity in, in husband and wife, so then there's no marriage. Each one wants to be bottled to the other one. They're not holding their own identity. It's, it's, it's the fact that they're committed, they hold on to their self-identity, and their identity is healthy, and then they unite. So let's, for, with that, let's jump into Sif Zayin, about the Achdus of Ness and Teva. Yes. So um, this is what we would call the, the Gedichte. This is the, the deep water of, the, of this, of this Sicha. If I may, for a moment, to give an analogy. The analogy I mentioned earlier, which is often given in Chassidus, when we say that Hashem is not only infinite, but also able to exist in the finite, right? That's a, it's a quote that's brought in the Sikha from that if you limit Hashem to the infinite and he's not in the finite, you're limiting his perfection and, and completion. And the analogy is often given because finite is a form of infinity as well. If I'm only in the infinite and I'm not in the finite, if, I, if I'm a teacher who can teach the most brilliant minds, People watch how I, he's, you know, the guy's off the charts and he's way beyond, but he can't talk to a two-year-old child and bring it down. Then the, there's a limitation. There's some limitation to, to, that, to that wisdom. It doesn't expand everywhere. It only exists in, 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 in a lofty way. It doesn't exist in a small way. And that's why we see that really smart people have both sides of it. They have the ability to go up and deep and they have the ability to chisel down to the detail. And that's what that good teacher will be. However, in Siv Zion, that ever comes along and says, normally, these are two columns, as you said earlier so well. These are two tracks. These are two, um, you know, he has this strength and he has that strength. Ultimately, if you think about it in the human brain and the true Chacham, I guess the Shleim HaMelech, it's really one and the same. How so? Because if one is a, a, a real Chacham, and understands the subject matter in their essence and the essence of the subject matter, then it's not defined to a high level or to a simple level. It's exactly equal because they're getting the essence of the idea. It's not divisible. It's just two sides of the same coin. This is a very deep, profound idea. There are many analogies given in Hasidus for it. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of, for example, the relationship of husband and wife that we talked about earlier, there's one way to look at these two sides, namely the commitment to the marriage and the detailed relationship as two channels. They do manifest in different ways in the marriage and different times in the marriage. They are two parts. There's the commitment 
let's call it the respect, and then there's the love, there's the involvement. Ultimately, though, there comes a time when the couple realizes, why do I want this? Why do I want that for the same reason? Because I recognize that our two souls are really intertwined and we're really one. And therefore, by the same token, that I don't question, if you want something, great. A good husband or a good wife, if you want it, you got it. By the same token, I really want to know why you want it. Both of these things are coming, stemming from the same point. And what is that point? That really, if our souls are intertwined, they're intertwined in essence. And they're intertwined down to the last detail. And therefore, I'm committed. No questions asked, but I do want to know the details. It's explained that in Avedah, this is a beautiful concept. That, um, you know, the, 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 the main thing in Avedah and Yiddishkeit, the first step, if you will, is Kabbalah accepting what Hashem wants, like you said, Nasa. I have no questions. Then Yiddishkeit comes along and says, I also want you to develop a Gishmak, learn Teda, understand, and do the mitzvah with a Gishmak. Those are the two columns we talked about before Siv Zayin. In Siv Zayin, the Rebbe introduces something, and it's talked about in many of the Rebbe's Sichas and Mamorim, that's a higher level. Once I understand that really all I am is an extension of Hashem, a Yid is one with Hashem. So therefore, I'm able to do the mitzvah without any understanding, with total dedication, just accepting the yoke. And I have great pleasure from that. Before I come to that place of connectedness to Hashem. So these are two channels. Are you just doing it because of commitment? Or have you developed a pleasure? And one can sometimes conflict the other. When you start enjoying Yiddish guy, what if you hit a mitzvah you don't enjoy? I'm not so sure. It becomes an issue. But once Hasidus wants us to reach that level, or at least philosophically understand that that's the emiss. But one with Hashem. Therefore, ultimately, we approach everything in Yiddish guy. It's all about Hashem. Accept the yoke. Do what he wants. But dry? It's infused with tremendous simcha and tremendous pleasure because it's my God. And here, too, marriage is a great analogy. Ultimately, I guess, for many years of marriage and Hashem's help, and it's a healthy, wonderful marriage, it comes to a point throughout the marriage, a dedicated spouse understands that this is what she wants. She gets it. It doesn't have to make any sense. She can want something which is totally backwards and everything else, as long as it's, she wants it, because it date. But do I think it's normal? No. Ultimately, it comes to a place in the relationship where if that's what she wants, even though it makes no sense to me, I want it too. Because who's she? She's the person that Hashem created as an extension of mine Hashem. If she wants it, it can be two plus two is seven. Suddenly it's not to make sense to me. Suddenly I'm, and because the commitment has come to a place that the two are one. I'm just borrowing that analogy. The Rebbe doesn't use the analogy of right. marriage because of a Yid and Hashem, it's not like marriage with two equals. But I'm borrowing the analogy because it, it's excellent in the sense of a relationship that has uh, the two sides of, of a total commitment and a, and a total uh, encompassing right. relationship. Right. And ultimately, the two can be a combined. Right. And, and in, the, in the context of the Sikha, the Rebbe uses an example of seeing Ness, seeing miracles in Teva, where do you see that? With constant creation or eternal, eternal things in creation, like the sun, the reliability of the sun, that the sun will always um, rise and set. The Nitzchi, the Nitzchi, the, the eternity, the, the infinite of the Abish there is found in Nivraim. 
that is Ness, Meluvish and Teva, or Ness, seeing miracle, the, the, the essence of the Abishter, the reality of the Abishter. Where do you see the essence of the Abishter in a creation? That the creation could be relied on. It's consistent. It's always, it's Nitzchi. It's forever. So the Rebbe shows it in both directions. Right. Because if two things are one, it's going to be top down, bottom up. So right. if nature and miracle are ultimately two sides of the same coin, so you're going to find nature within miracle and vice versa. You have miracles that are sometimes enclosed in nature, like Hanukkah and Purim. So that shows a unity of miracle coming down into nature. And the converse is also true, as you're saying, nature has a miraculous aspect because normally everything in nature begins to dissipate from the moment the child is born, it begins to dry up. Everything is as a sum of parts that begins to go back to their particles the moment it's created. And yet we see when it comes to Tzvah Shemai, when it comes to, like you said, the sun and the stars, the moon, and the whole cycle of the seasons, they're perfect. They don't lose a minute, a second, like your clock for thousands of years. And therefore you're seeing a miraculous element within uh, nature. The Rebbe ties that to Avaida. So let's so elaborate on the two points of Avaida using the the model of creation of the, you know, Hiluch Hamazolis, um, the way Avram Avinu discovered that there is a, that there is a, a, a creator to all this existence. And then how does that work in Avoida? Listen, it's, it's all about the Achtos. Right. It all comes from one point. That's what he wants us to understand. I just want to say in general, you know, a lot of people who are watching learn Chassidus and everything else. And we talk about all these Svidus, then we talk about the Yenzof, and suddenly you think, how many gods are there? And the Rebbe says, no, no, no. There's one Abishta. It's all one. Because he's the essence of truth, he, he, he's beyond and he's within. He's simple and he has all definition. This is not in conflict. I want to just point out an excellent analogy within the person's soul. This concept, that miracle comes into nature. And conversely, nature has miraculous elements, as you mentioned. The, the Rebbe explains extensively in, 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 in his Sikhas, that we can really understand this from Nefesh Adam, because we are B'Tselem Elikim, we're a microcosm of Hashem, so to speak. Or you might say, M'Bsari Echzel, a calf of my flesh, I know God. So it's explained within a person, you have these two sides, miracle and nature, namely the, the nature within the person, the limited facets, the mind, the heart. Let's use the mind as an example. It's a limited thing. It's calculated. It's a calculated approach to life. That's the nature within me. That's the predictable. And then we have the willpower, which is an extension of the soul itself. And the principle is nothing stands in the way of will. It's a part of the soul that can go through the wall. It is a part of the soul that represents the miracle. The soul is in charge and it breaks any rules. It does what it wants, just like a miracle breaks nature. And these are two parts of our person. We all have it. We all have, the, for example, we have the greater soul, our rotsin, our will. And then we have the, the, the lesser soul, the, 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 the seichel, and the lower elements that come after. Says Chassidus, if you think about it, the Rebbe says this clearly in, in some of the edited Mamorim, the two are linked and intertwined. It's not two people. It's not my soul and my mind, even though it is. Sometimes one is working and then the other is working. But find how one impacts the other. We find the soul, the willpower impacting the mind. We call it bribery. Bribery doesn't have to be in a bad way. It could be, but it could be in a very good way. For example, a, a person can, uh, can understand Torah and appreciate Torah because he wants to, because his soul, he's a yid, and his soul is connected to Torah, and therefore it trickles down to his mind, and his mind will think a certain way. Shaykhat, bribery in a positive way. 
the mind is not just following blindly the will. The will doesn't ask why, the mind does. No, the mind is convinced that it now understands the way the soul has led it. And that's human nature, bribery. And again, it could be in the most positive of ways. And that's an indication of how the infinite, so to speak, within the soul trickles down and impacts the finite. And the vice versa is also true. That the mind has an element of miracle of soul in it. And the example to that is, the Chazal say, A person should always choose an area of Torah study where his heart desires, where his soul lies. And you ask, why? Why should I choose to study something that I have soul interest in. Study is an intellectual pursuit. Study whatever you want, whatever makes sense. But we see, in fact, that the mind doesn't really open itself up to understand things unless the soul wants it. And that's an indication that within mind, there is also soul. They're not two people. Within the little self, the calculated self, I can think, I can feel, I can understand, I can pick apart things. There is a tremendous amount of soul, just like, as you said, within nature, there's the miraculous consistency within the mind. There is, there is a, a connection to what my soul is drawn to. And therefore, they're not two people. And this is, a, I think, a big relevant thing also in Avedin, understanding who we are as people. I don't think it's true only in Limitateta. I think it's true in everything. Think about your career path. You, you, you will choose a certain career path based on where your soul is inclined. And a person will say, like, why? Just do whatever it takes to make a living. But it won't work because the soul doesn't, the ruts in this, the soul, the essence of the soul is not disconnected from your specifications, from your talents. They're one and the same person. And you will choose and you will live out your, yourself and your day-to-day life much better if it's linked to that larger soul. And that's an indication to us and how Hashem works. You see nature? It's linked to Hashem's infinite, so to speak, self. And indicated, as I said earlier, in the fact that within nature, there's those consistencies that show on, uh, on miracle. I actually just read a, a, a letter of the Rebbe. The Rebbe begins, Shaladaiti, that from what you said, I understand that you want, and the Rebbe continues the letter. Oh, wow. That the Rebbe is saying, I understand what you want, and therefore, here's your answer, which, which really ties into what you're saying, that there's two perspectives, but the Ibishter wants you as you are, as a human, in the place you find, in the situation you find yourself, and the current circumstances that you are in. So a, a person, at the end of the day, a person also has an Ephesus Bahamas. He also has, uh, he's also, he also has his own humanistic sort of story. He's in the world. He's in Teva. He's in a, he's in a goof, Gashmi. So there's a story that's unfolding in this world, in the, create, in the creation of the world. And that also has to connect to the Abishta, which also ties back to what you said earlier, that all of the, all of the levels of the Abishta, all the spheres and all the Eilamais the are really for us to be able to find where the Abish there is in our circumstances, where we are currently in. There's a, there is a manifestation of that in a, there's an Abish there in every single detail. That's why every, right? What? Yeah, not Abish there. Yeah, yeah. Which comes back to the first thing the NASA, the Kabbalah cell, the Atmos is, is there. Um, do we want to still cover? Do you want to explore back um, Ness and Teva, Teva Ness, or we want to want to jump into the relevance or? 
I think we're good. I I, I have a, 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 a I, I have a, 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 an application, if I might. You know, we're we're, we're days before you Aleph Nissen, you know, and Hasidim all over the world and Yidden all over the world talking about 120 years of the Rebbe. And, you know, I just want to share something that hit me in my class, you know, as uh, we we have a class here in, in our community right now, it's on Zoom with uh, Yidden, doctors, lawyers, surgeons, fantastic group of people and learning a Sikha like this. And, um, and this discussion came up in our class vis-a-vis what a Rebbe is. What is the Sikha saying? The Sikha is saying, Hashem is totally beyond. There's no connection to the world. And yet he's infused in every part of the world. There is no part of the world that's not important. The way you're putting it so beautifully. My whole life is Hashem. I, I, I don't even exist. No, but every part of my detail, my animal soul, my human soul, my challenges, my gifts, they're all tailor-made. They're all divine lights in a sense. There is nothing else outside of that picture. And if we're able to have it and have it in that order, Nasa. You know, we start our day with Maidani, we start our day with Shema Yisrael, and then with all your heart, and bring yourself to the table and understand that your challenges and your gifts are all part of that picture. It's extraordinary. So it's beyond, that's what the Sikh is saying. Hashem has nothing to do with anything, and yet he's in everything. Think about an Rebbe, a person, if you could say a tzaddik, Elam hasn't meant nothing. If you want to describe that side of the Rebbe, it's on par and maybe more so than the greatest, you know, you talk about Mukabolim who never ate. I mean, they never lived, you know, the last years of his life in a little room. His whole life, what, what, did, he, what did he need for himself? Elam hasn't meant nothing. A person who's just lived for the Ebishti, for Yidin. Totally removed. The world doesn't matter. Something. And by the same token, though, and this you don't see necessarily by very spiritual tzaddikim, Mukabolim perhaps, who were removed. He was involved intimately with every single person that he met. And he understood every single person, cared about their details. And non-Jews, didn't make a difference. If they ever had an encounter with a person, this was a divine moment. And it wasn't just for the Rebbe to tell them what he wants to tell them. To find out what they're doing and, and empower them in their path. I mean, you see this in the dollars every single moment. And the Rebbe can see an African-American photographer who's going with, with an important politician, right? And the photographer feels like he's just tagging along and he's not even supposed to get a dollar. And the Rebbe gives him a double blessing of God Almighty's blessing and tells him a picture is worth a thousand words. What did the Rebbe just say? And he's not just trying to make him feel good. This is a Rebbe who understands Sadiqin Beimim Labaydam, a reflection of Hashem. That the truth is Enid Mubade. And therefore, by the same token that he is totally removed, Elam Hazem means nothing. But from the concept that it's all created for Hashem's covenant, there isn't any detail, any person, any aspect in that person that's unimportant and that need not, mustn't be explored and elevated and, and brought to its fruition. It's, it's a fantastic, uh, you know, thought when you think about it. You know, it says that Meshur Rabbeinu was called Meshur Rabbeinu. So it says two opposite reasons. Minam, which is an extension of Moshe. Minamayim Shisu, plucked from the water, which really means not just the Nile River, because Basia took him out of the river. That's the name that stuck. You know, his father gave him seven names, including Tuvia, a good one from Hashem. Why do we call him Moshe, that he was plucked from the water? Like, you know, that, that, that's done, that happened. So it's explained, of course, the water means heaven. Shamayim is heaven, which is the same word as Mayim. Now, what is a Moshe Rabbein one? Is Shama, which is plucked from heaven. All souls come from heaven, from the Mayim. But a soul which is literally like a like an angel on earth, like a neshama of Atzilus, 
you know, taking the express, you know, without de- devolving into a lower level, straight into a human body. So it's literally a, a shama of divinity walking around a human body. The whole world means nothing. There's no fear. There's, there's, there's nothing that matters. Total, just Hashem, enable body. And by the same token, Moshe, it is said, he's called Moshe because from the word to draw forth, because he draws forth in every year, their keiches. And these are two extreme opposites. We're talking about a person that beyond and a person who is within to the fault, both to a fault. So if you ask somebody, did Elam Hazem mean anything? Of course not. And conversely, he knew about every wisdom. He wanted to know that he was involved in the various scientists, uh, sci- uh, uh, sciences and, and uh, you name it, and, and well-versed. Why? It meant nothing. And yet, as an extension of Elikus, he explored and elevated each part of it and each person and each encounter. So I just feel like this is, a, what a, to me, this is one of the uh, subtexts, if you will, of the takeaway of the Sikh. Yeah, yeah, it uh, very much connects, especially uh, coming to Yeralf Nissen and the Rebbe's birthday. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful connection. I want to thank you for joining us on the Fabrengen on the Sicha. It was a beautiful Fabrengen and the Machat Slacha and Abelchem Pesach. Thank you for having me and continue your holy work. It's a beautiful thing. Very Yishma. Thank you. Of course, of course. Lo <laughs> <laughs>